invite the Lord to speak to you this morning, to welcome him into your, your heart and your mind and your soul. Father, we're so thankful for the many blessings that you have given us, and we pray this morning that as we come to worship, that we would be transformed by an experience of your presence. Then in your presence, we would be drawn to see and worship your Son, the one you sent for our salvation, who for us died and, and rose again. We pray that, that we would see him and worship him and, and commit to following him, that we would lay down our lives in our opinions, in our decisions, in front of his lordship and his teachings and his callings. We pray that, that your spirit, whom you have poured out on us, would continue to fill us. And that we would be able to discern your spirit's moving in order to more fully glorify you and more fully enjoy you. We pray, Father, that your spirit would come and speak this morning here and now among us. It's in your son's precious name that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it to Romans chapter 12. If you did not bring a Bible this morning, you're more than welcome to grab a black hardback um, from underneath the seat around you. We'll be in Romans chapter 12. We are in the middle of a short little sermon series at the beginning of 2017, kind of getting our church community on the same page as we head into another year of ministry. And so last week, the title of the sermon was Think Orange. And Orange is a children's curriculum that we have adopted and are starting uh, this year here at the church. And um, the the concept behind Orange is that if you combine influences, you get a greater influence. And so it's one thing for the church to pour into children in a children's ministry setting on uh, Sunday morning. It's another thing for the church to be able to then equip the parents to further pour into their children throughout the week. And so you take the influence of the home, the influence of the church, and you combine them and you get a greater influence. Orange is, is all about focusing on Monday. And so as a church, sometimes we get too focused on Sunday and, and what happens during this hour, hour and a half, four hours, depending on how long I preach, uh, what happens during this moment in this room and in those rooms. But, but as we all know, that's not really where life happens. I mean, this is kind of a, a sanctuary. This is kind of a little silo. Um, the church really should be focused on Monday. And instead of thinking Sunday's coming, what are we going to do on Sunday? We should think Monday's coming. What are we going to do on Monday? Are people equipped to be the saints, to be God's children, sons and daughters on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday? So, so, so last week we talked about why we're going to think orange going into the new year. This week we're going to talk about why we're going to think deep going into the new year. And so if you've been here at our church uh, any time in the last six months or so, you, you have probably heard this phrase before. Um, we are a church that desires to be a, a deep church in a shallow world. And what we've recognized as a community of believers is that we have a unique community here. Um, and, and we want to play to the strengths of our uniqueness and we want to be able to offer the world something that's not offered everywhere. And so too often in the world, we skip over issues. Uh, we skip over relationships. Um, it's just a very shallow world. And unfortunately, if you're not careful, even churches can fall into this strategy, can fall into this temptation. And church can become a shallow place um, where the deep issues are skipped over, 
where relationships are underemphasized, um, where we just kind of skip through life and avoid doing the things that, that really in the end matter and, and make a difference. And so we want to think even deeper as we go into 2017, um, as we commit ourselves, myself as the pastor, our staff, our, our leadership, our elders, our board, as we commit ourselves to being a deep church in a shallow world. And I thought that this passage here in Romans 12, the first two verses, is, the, is just a, such a perfect little passage to encapsulate our goals and our hopes here as a church. And so we'll read Romans 12, verse 1 through 2. Paul's speaking here to the church in Rome. He says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, you've probably heard these verses before. They're, they're pretty familiar in the church world. They're, they're pretty popular. Obviously convicting and challenging and inspiring. Um, but I want to show you something here this morning. Um, if you have heard me preach before, again, if you've been to the church, you'll know that, that I think all of us should take a strategy when it comes to reading the Bible that, that we should all read the Bible like a Texan. Okay? Texans solved a problem that we have in the English language, which is we have no word for you plural. If you think back to high school, right, Spanish, German, French, ASL, I don't know, they, they have, these different languages have words for you plural. We just say you and your. And you're not always sure whether you mean you individual or you all as a group. And so we came up with the best substitute. What is it? Y'all. Y'all. It's so beautiful. Amen and amen and amen. You've got pagans out there who like use guises and... You would have no idea the awfulness that exists apart from Southern America. Um, and so you've got y'all as you plural. Now, what, what we don't realize is when we read the Bible um, in, in, in English, in, uh, in, in our native language, it was written in Hebrew and Greek, most of the you and yours in the Bible are actually you and yours plural. But we read them, and we often read them individually. Because we're kind of in an individualist society. It's so often, I mean, our modern society is kind of hyper-individualistic. And so, so very often what happens is this. There'll, there'll be a promise in the Bible. It'll say, if you do this, this will happen. Or you are this. And, and we try to internalize this. Okay, Mike Skinner, individually, by myself, how does this apply to me? But when you pay attention real closely to the original languages, often what you'll see, and it, it has a lot of implications, is what... God is promising or what God is describing is not true of an individual. According to the scriptures, it's true of a community, a local expression of God's global body, the body of Christ, a group of smelly, nasty, confusing people who get together and do church and worship together and live life together and commit to following Jesus together. So in 1 Corinthians 3, a famous, famous passage, um, Paul says, You are the temple of God. Your bodies are God's temple. And when you read that closer, you realize he's, he's using plural there. Temple's in the singular. You is plural. Paul's not saying God has lots of little temples running around. The temple is where you experience God. It's where God's spirit dwelt, where you could experience the power and the presence of God. And we read that sometimes we go, okay, me, as my little self-isolated unit, I'm the temple of God. Wow, look at me. 
pretty impressive. But Paul's really saying, no, you all, this right here, or community group, or painting bowls, or out in a social event, or in worship, this is the temple. A relationship consisting of a group of local people who follow Christ coming together and covenanting to one another and to God. That's where God's power and presence is found. So um, we got to read the Bible like a text. And here in, in Romans 12, um, again, we, this is so enticing to read individually. Um, but he says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. So first word here, brothers. I'm going to point out three words. Brothers is in plural, okay? It really means brothers and sisters. He's not trying to exclude you. Females, he's just talking about the children of God. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. Here's the second word, bodies. This is also plural. So I'm reading out of the ESV. If you have one of the, the black hardbacks, those are ESV as well. Translations um, vary, and so you might have something different in front of you. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And, and zero in that word sacrifice, because that word is singular. There are some translations that carry over the plurals as living sacrifices. That's, that's incorrect, though. Okay, in, the, in, in the original language, when Paul was writing this, it's many, many, one. The many come together, the brothers and sisters, with their bodies. In the, the Hebrew world, bodies, the word soma is used here, is not like a physical, spiritual divide. Bodies, for someone like Paul, would have meant everything. All of you. Yeah, your body, but also your mind and your emotions and, and everything that consists of you. Spiritual here, when it says spiritual worship, it's probably capitalized. Uppercase as spiritual worship through the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit. He says, with your bodies, with all that you are, as brothers and sisters, you come together and give one act of sacrifice to God. The many become one. So what, what that means is when God is looking down like Sunday morning right now, he doesn't see Mike's worship and Michelle's worship and Bowers' worship and Matt's worship. He doesn't see a bunch of individual worships. He, he sees a community of people gathering together. And together we offer one sacrifice to him. And this word sacrifice is used in, in, in lots of ways in the New Testament. Um, in Hebrews 13, we're told, Do not neglect doing good and sharing with one another, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Later on in Philippians 4, Paul says that the gift the church in Philippi gave him, financial support, was an acceptable sacrifice to God. It's so drawing on Old Testament um, Levitical language where he would have actually sacrificed a, a living animal. Paul says, we now give sacrifices of worship, of obedience to God. And coming together as one, God receives it, and, and hopefully it's acceptable. It's our spiritual act of worship. I've become increasingly convinced that the church, which is to say, again, a local community, is the primary way God chooses to engage with our world. It's the primary place where he chooses to interact with individuals and through them to interact with the rest of the world. You think of the, the passage in 1 Corinthians 3. Your bodies are the, are the temple of God. And, 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 and we often think one of the, the, you know, the problems with this kind of idea that the community, the local church like us, would, would be the, the primary means God has of, of dealing with us and with the world, is that we're kind of failures. I mean, look around, seriously. I mean, there's tension and there's conflict, and 
you know, we're all kind of distracted and we've got so much going on in life and there's no like perfect community, right? But it makes it even more amazing that Paul would write that back in the first century. So in the, the first Corinthians 3 passage, he's writing to the church in Corinth, which if you know anything about Corinth, they were like the worst group of people that ever existed. They were like the church gone wild, XXX. I mean, it was bad. They were, they were using worship to, to ridicule the poor people and to, to separate. And they were um, sleeping around with people in their family they shouldn't have been sleeping around with and, and bragging about it. And, and think about that. And then Paul has the audacity to say it's that community where God's spirit shows up and works. And through that community where God wants to work through the rest of the world. Well, how powerful is that? First Colony Christian Church, this community, the local church, the local expression of God's global children come together. The many come together to present the one, a living sacrifice. Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I was asked earlier this week, a student called me up, he's in college now, and he said, look, I'm trying to figure out what my passion is in life. I don't want to be mediocre. I don't want to kind of just go through life uh, and kind of get the first cubicle job that comes my way and, and kind of realize when I'm 40 that I've had a mediocre life. So I'm trying to figure out, I don't really know what's my one driving passion. What do I want to commit my life to? And so he goes, when did you realize that you wanted to be a religious leader? And I, I don't know if you've ever had this thought when someone calls you something, but my first reaction was like, oh, no, I'm a religious leader. <laughs> Wait, when did that happen? Um, when did I choose that? That's a good point. I should probably change some things in my life. Um, and, and so I was thinking through it, and I was like, you know, really it's less of a when did I, I choose to become a religious leader and, and more of a, like, when did you start realizing God had chosen certain roles for you? You know, when did, when did you start to kind of look back and go, okay, it looks like that was kind of set up to be that way? Because I'm a high schooler, a senior in high school, and, and going through a rough time, coming out on the end of it, thinking I'm now a Christian, I want to follow Christ, and, and kind of out of nowhere, a teacher named Tony walks up to me and goes, hey, I, before school every morning, read the Bible and pray. If you just became a Christian, do you want to come to the library with me before school and read the Bible and pray. And so I started doing that. This is Tony Slate, who, who, as a part of his local church, is going out into the world to make disciples, to fulfill the Great Commission. And he makes this really simple kind of offhanded invitation, right? I mean, that's really not that difficult. I mean, that's really kind of a simple thing. Just say, hey, will you come, you want to come read and pray with me? I'm up there anyways. And then it was Chris Henderson, another teacher of mine as a senior in high school, who said, hey, I have this youth group that meets in my house if you want to come. I go to this church here on Sweetwater if you want to come to the church. Think about, like, how insignificant those two questions really are at the end of the day. Now that I'm a religious leader, I've asked kids to come to a Bible study that I've been doing or asked people to come to the church Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times. And usually when I ask, I don't feel the full like, weight of it. I'm not, a, I'm not a salesperson. I'm just like, hey, you know, we worship. If you want to worship, you can come. We'll be worshiping on Sunday morning. If you happen to want to worship, you can just come and join us. And I'm batting pretty low, right? 
But here's the thing, it only takes one, right? It only takes one person. You never know who it's going to be or when it's going to happen. And then they, they, they come, they participate in the beauty of the local church being what it's supposed to be, and they're transformed. And through them, who knows what might be transformed? I mean, who knows what your one little invitation to a Bible study or to a church who knows what your one little faithful act of obedience as part of a local church, reaching out to others to disciple them? Who knows the influence that that might have on world history? Most called here to be a pastor when I was 20, you know, he was like, so when did you know you wanted to be a pastor? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm still deciding on it. Like, I, I didn't, when I was 15, I didn't have a five-year plan and sit down and go, okay, what's the, how do I get there when I'm 20? It was more like I was finding myself at a church. They needed someone to preach, so I started preaching. Then all of a sudden, they, like, trapped me one Sunday. and were like, you're going to be the pastor. It's like, I don't think that's a good idea. And they're like, we think it's a good idea. And I was like, let's not do this. It's kind of gimmicky. And they're like, but you're really cute. And I was like, well, I agree with you there. <laughs> but there was, right, there was no, like, 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 strategic plan. It was more like I kind of stumbled into it. And then looking back, I'm kind of like, okay, maybe God had a, a purpose in that. And you can trace all of that back to two people being part of a church, saying, hey, will you pray with me? Hey, you want to come to Bible study? You want to come to church? You never know, right, with that one invitation, with that one faithful act of obedience, the influence that it might have. You want to be a deep church in a shallow world. And often I, I categorize that in three different ways. Um, when, we, when we say we want to be a deep church in a shallow world, um, what we mean and what we've experienced here as a community is that we want to think deeply, we want to relate to each other deeply, have a deep community, and we want to serve and be on mission in deep and, and, and transformative ways. And so, so this is something that we are very committed to here at the church is thinking deeply. We want to, to really get into things and not just go on a shallow surface level of, of topics. We want to talk about hard things. We want to really examine the scriptures. We want to talk about controversial things. I mean, we really want to examine and think. You see that in this passage, right? I mean, transformed um, transformation, it comes from our minds being renewed. Christ enters into the world, enters into our life, and now we have to rethink everything. We have to re-see everything. We have to learn to imagine new things. Our imaginations have to be converted Our dreams have to be converted. Our opinions have to be converted. Our lifestyle choices have to be converted. And that happens through thinking and discussing. But because we live in in, in such a a hyper-politicized, partisan world, we often shy away from those discussions. And it's a lot easier to just be really shallow status quo. But I've I've always committed here to not not give you like an Oprah-type sermon on Sunday. Something wrong with Oprah. Go, oh, she's great. But you can get that from Oprah, right? I mean, you, that's out there already. You can't get a small little kid, though, right, who, who wants to go through grammar with you every Sunday. That's something unique here. We want to think deeply. We want to have hard conversations. And, and that's only possible because we want to have and have a deep community. We want to relate to each other in, in a deep way. We want to be a church that doesn't just come together because we have a mutual Facebook friend in Jesus. Where, where there's no real connection between us, we just happen to know the same guy. 
And so we're going to come together, and, and just that's the extent of our contact. We've, we've always wanted to be a church here that was a family. That when you were hurting, we were hurting. And when you had a crisis, we woke up and responded to the crisis. And for people who've, who've been at the church for years, you've experienced that, and you've seen that. You've been on both ends of that. You know, we had, in the past year, in 2016, had a, a handful of families move away. And, you know... The goal here is tears, right? If you've got tears, give them. We want to see you cry. Um, when my buddy Adam had to leave the church and go away, the heartbreak that he went through, him and his wife leaving. I mean, that's the, that's the unfortunate side of the positive, right? Is that maybe you're doing something right if when people have to leave, or if you've ever had to leave a church, it felt like you were being ripped away from your family. It felt like, what am I going to do? I need to find a support system. I mean, this was my extended family. These were my brothers and sisters who had my back, who, who forgave me and served me and loved me and put up with me and were patient with me and guided me and mentored me. This is what enables the ability to have deep discussions and talk about controversial issues. The ability to stay united even in diversity and disagreement. The ability to, to say, hey, we might not agree about this, but let's have an adult, mature conversation about it. With the goal not being, you have to convert to my opinion. But the goal being, even if we disagree, we commit to loving one another and loving the world together. This deep community. We commit to coming together, bringing our bodies together, all of who we are, to offer one sacrifice to the Lord. And then a deep Commitment to outreach and mission and serving and blessing the community around us. It says, by testing, you'll discern what the will of God is, what's good and acceptable and perfect. We know the desire of God is that everyone would come to know and follow Christ. At all times and every place, Paul says, God is actively working so that people might find him. They're kind of grasping in the dark. Every, everybody around you right now, God is doing something in their life to try to get their attention, to try to draw them to his life, to his light. And, and, and Paul says in, in, in Corinthians, you're his ambassador, you're his spokesperson. God wants to, to talk to people and reach people through you, through us, through the church. And we want to commit to that in a real and, and transformative and powerful way. So let's talk about the possible name change. Um, if you're not aware, at the church here, we've been kicking around the idea of changing our name. Um, we're currently First Calling Christian Church, um, and the, the, the problem with First Calling Christian Church, it's a great name, it's the name of the church when I got here. If you don't know, I created the FC3, FC Cube type of little thing, so I'm a little emotionally attached to that. I was on an old school iMac, right, on Keynote, diddling around with, let's get a blue background, and oh, I can make it look kind of like edgy up on the top and around, and let me do an F there, and let me, let me cube it. Let me superscript that thing. It took like two hours, but I finally got it up there. <clears throat> but there, there, there have been certain limitations with First Colony Christian Church. Um, namely, there's like 16 other churches that start with First Colony. Um, and, and so as a pastor, as staff here, we've had this experience a lot where people just confuse us for other churches. Um, you've got on both sides of us a mile away, First Colony Bible Church. First Colony Church of Christ, which is particularly similar to our name, and they are a much bigger church. And so, like, I'll have this conversation 
more often than you would believe, being at Kroger, some being like, you know, getting a conversation for whatever reason, like, yeah, I'm a pastor at First Holy Christian Church. Like, oh, I love your church. I've been going. I just became a member a couple weeks ago. I really love it. I'm like, yeah, don't think so. I think you would recognize me. I think I would recognize you. There's like 40 of us. I'm not great with faces and names, but... <laughs> okay, first, yeah, no, that's a great church, too. I mean, it'd be better if you just went down the street a little bit, but they're great people. I've got friends over there. It's, it's good to go. I didn't actually, so we've been having this conversation with people. I didn't know how many, mis- the extent of the ex- mistakes that kind of were made until we started having this conversation. Um, I, I learned that occasionally people have, you know, after I've talked to them or introduced myself to them, then Googled to see the church and thought that I was lying when I told them that I was a pastor. Students of mine get online and they come to firstcolonychurch.org or .com. They've got all the domains down the street there. And they're going through the staff and they're like, there's no Mike Skinner here. What a, how, who would lie about serving God? I, mean, I, didn't even, I didn't even know that happened. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, who out there is walking around actively being like, that guy was awful. There's a special place for people like that. And so, so, so what we've come to, the, the kind of um, consensus we've gotten as a board and as leaders is that we think it might be the, the next best thing is to, to change the name to Sweetwater Christian Church. Um, and that does a couple things for us that differentiates us from other churches. So there's Sweetwater Church there that we'd have to be competing with. Um, it allows us to identify ourselves geographically. We're on Sweetwater Boulevard. Um, when people say, where's your church, where's First Calling Christian Church, we say, on Sweetwater. Now I can say, look at the name. All right, Sweetwater Christian Church. Um, and then it demonstrates our commitment and desire to be a blessing to these communities around us. Um, this is something we're working on actively, right? I've, I've confessed in the past, we're not always the best at reaching out to Clements High School, right across the street from us. But we want to be. And this would be a way of saying, we're here. We're in Sweetwater. We're for Sweetwater. We want to bless these communities. So we've been having conversations with people. Um, this last week, there were two. There was a lunch and a dinner that was open to invite for people to come and talk about it. Um, there's broad support for the name change. The way it works at our church is eventually, if, if this is something that will happen, we'll have to have a congregational meeting um, and, and vote on it. And so what we, we want to have is just everyone to have as many opportunities as possible to, to give their feedback. To, to ask their questions and, and give their ideas and, and even their criticisms. Um, this is how we grow as a church. This is how we make a, a unified decision. Um, it's fine if, if you don't like it, and it's fine to disagree with things. Guess what? Like, I've been outvoted on the board before. I've had an idea, and the rest of the board members were like, you're 24? No, no, we're not doing that. And we took a vote, and I was like, yes. And I was like, no. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's okay, right? I didn't throw a tenth tantrum and, you know, didn't go bully pulpit and preach about it for the next six weeks. I just thought, okay, other people have a different opinion. I expressed my opinion, right? That's fine. Um, and so it's okay, right, even if we get, like, no votes at the congregational meeting if it goes to that. Um, what we don't want, though, is, is, like, a congressional filibuster, right, where, where, like, things get ugly on the floor, right? Like, we want people to have had their, their chance to talk about it and, and for us to fully hear from everybody. And so... Um, I, I want you to know, from the conversations we've had, it seems like the momentum is going that direction. And so it seems like maybe sometime soon we might be giving you a two-week notice that there's going to be a congregational meeting. Um, but, but I want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. Um, the, the biggest questions people have with this 
um, decision uh, tend to be around the fact, are we trying to change the church? The unequivocal answer to that is no. We're not trying to be Sweetwater Country Club. We're not trying to become a, a shallow church in a shallow world that caters to millionaires for donations and fame and money. Right? I mean, that's not going to be us. Um, Sweetwater perhaps has a connotation of, of you know, some richer, more well-to-do communities than, than perhaps we represent. Um, the good thing is I think our building loudly communicates to everybody. <laughs> that's where the money is, right there. Our investments just haven't worked out yet, but it'll, it'll switch for us. Now, the desire, desire for the, 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 the changing of the name is lockstep and key with our vision and our mission here at the church. You know, Jesus tells the church, you are the light of the world. And you don't take a light, you don't take a bucket and put it over it. You don't put it in a lamp, right? The light's meant to go out to other people. And what we think, very humbly, that changing the name will do is just allow our light to shine a little bit more. We'll allow it to be easier for people to find us. We'll allow it to be easier for us to extend uh, ourselves to others, for others to participate in our community, for us to be disciple-making disciples, for us to be a deep church in the shallow world, for us to participate in a place, a community, where God's Spirit is active, and then to make it easy and welcoming to invite others to participate with us. One invitation one faithful act. That's all it takes. I mean, you never know whose life will be changed and how many lives off of that will be changed just because you were faithful as a church. To be a church, to worship together and to serve together, to love each other and forgive each other and serve each other and support each other and pray for each other. And you'll never know the impact that you can have just by offering an invitation Maybe we've got a Bible study. Maybe we've got a social night. Maybe we worship on Sundays if you want to come and join us. And so as we head into 2017, I want to invite all of you to just recommit. This is who we are as a church. This is who we want to be as a church. Um, we want to be a deep church in a shallow world. We want to be an alternative society. We want to be a community that doesn't follow the patterns of this world. It's not conformed, but instead has been transformed in, in the way that we spend our money, in the way that we talk to each other, in the way that we serve people outside of our group. They're different. They're radically transformed from the way that most people talk to each other, and most people spend their money, and most people spend their time and serve people outside of their group. And by God's grace, with your commitment and your support, your prayers, that's the community that we will continue to be and, and be more faithfully in 2017. So let's think deep. Let's think deep. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray uh, this morning a prayer of thanks for the opportunity we have um, to come and to worship you, to think out loud together, to look at your scriptures. Um, I pray, Father, that all of us would be challenged and convicted to continually be transformed to not be conformed to the world and the way that it operates, but to be transformed into the love of Jesus, into the way of Jesus, into the life of Jesus, that through your Spirit we might look more like him, act more like him, talk more like him, live more like him, that we would relate to you like Jesus relates to you, that we would experience your love the way that Jesus experienced your love, that we would give your love to other people the way that Jesus gave his love to other people and gave his love to us. Father, bless us as a church community. 
so that we might be a blessing to those around us. Impress on us the, the marvelous power and responsibility that it is to be a church, to be a community of people where your spirit shows up and through whom your spirit works. We're so grateful for the opportunity. We're thankful for your love. We pray that you continue to be with us. It's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that all God's people this morning prayed, saying.